0: It's a real joy for me to be able to introduce our speaker for this afternoon. Uh, we are blessed to have um, some Romanians again in the house with us, and uh, we're thankful. Yes, praise the Lord. We, uh, we, uh, we partnered with a, a young... Uh, church plant. They were just getting started in Yash, Romania, about six and a half years ago. About seven years ago, I met Pastor Josef uh, online, uh, and we had some initial conversations, and uh, really quickly, my heart was knit to his. Um, we, we knew as a church, when we decided that we were going to partner with this young church plant in Romania, that we were given a great opportunity by God to come alongside and to assist and to provide some measure of support, um, in a country that was desperately in need of the gospel. And uh, we saw such potential in this pastor and in what God had called him to do. And we knew we were given a great, given a great opportunity. What I didn't realize was that God was going to give me such a sweet friend. And I, I am so blessed to know Pastor Joseph, his wife Paula, their three uh, precious children Hadassah, Philippe, and Enya. It's been such a joy to know them, to love them. and to see God work through them. Yosef has an unusual ability to connect with people. He's got a heart uh, for, the, for the gospel. He loves to evangelize, and God is doing great things through him, his family, his elders, and their church in Romania. Uh, he is passionate about the gospel. He's passionate about the word of God, and he is a, a gifted preacher. I know he's going to be a blessing to us, so would you give me, uh, join me in giving him a warm welcome to preach God's word to us.
1: <laughs> as you can see, I'm back. It's a, a saying from a movie, yeah? I enjoy to watch movies from time to time, guilty of that. Uh, but uh, so good to be back, brothers and sisters. Uh, and um, if a few years back, as you were mentioning, brother Yen, I came full of trembling, uh, I was visiting you, Uh, trying to wonder how my first Romanian uh, English sermon will sound like. By the way, this is the second time I preach in English language, so uh, be there for me. I'm sorry for, (laughs) for some mistakes that I'll do. But now, not only that I came missing my family from Canada, because literally when we come here, it's like, we come to family, to our family from Canada. But God gave us the grace to come with a larger family from Romania. Uh, If a few years back, uh, we were trembling, thinking about a church planting, uh, starting from some young people, actually in the beginning, me, my wife, our three kids in a new city. Uh, Right now we are back with uh, a team of elders and uh, their wives, and it's just, Uh, God's grace for us. And let me tell you this, believe me when I say it, you have played the most important role during this process. And yes, it's only by his grace, but you still continue to pour in us, to teach us, to help us to grow as a church, uh, as a team of elders. And even if not all of you had the possibility to work with us on the ground, your team of elders and your pastor helped us a lot all the time to feel the love of the whole church when you sent them uh, there on the ground, when you call us here and thank you, for, thank you all for all of this. Now, let's go to my sermon. Uh, Friday morning, uh, this Friday morning, I was heading to the church office to work a bit more thinking about today's message. And uh, during my my walk to the office, enjoying to see all these uh, Canadian kids walking safe uh, during uh, on the streets, not like in Romania, uh, they felt so joyful together. And I was trying to, to, to think about the message and uh, trying to memorize the password from the Wi-Fi that Pastor Ian gave it to me and the code for the key because my phone battery was literally almost dead. And uh, during my trying to, to, to memorize it, I figured out that it's kind of secret code for the Bible verse, I think. Yeah, I hope. Ah, So first time I, I, I figured it out. I was so happy, hey, like a young, Child doing a simple thing by himself, and I, I, I think it's a, a reference to a verse from 2 Corinthians that says, The Wi Fi Pastors, that, that, that says, For our sake, for our sake, He made it Him, Jesus, to be seen, Him who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. That was so encouraging for my heart to read it, remembering uh, since the first days of the day, the first hours of the day. This is the the core uh, of the history of redemption, right? We were sinners, departed, alone, abandoned, in pain, in darkness, in death, But because he loved us so much, he sent his own son to die for us. So now, because we believe in him and follow him, we can live with joy in the house of our Lord, our Father, and sing about the joy we have in him. Not only that, but he gave us his kingdom. We are his kids, kiddos, right? This is why we love each other. This is, this is why we sing together with joy when we, when we meet here. But, but sometimes we know all these truths in our minds. But in the emotional era, era, we feel cold, downcast. Actually, sometimes we feel forgotten during church, right? Everybody is singing, but I feel forgotten. I feel... Abandoned sometimes. Like God who said that is my father. It seems so distant to to, to me. When we deal with with pain, with despair, with depression, with panic attacks, with with sickness. Yes, to to come to be sometimes maybe so depressed that you look to, to your own kids. And as a normal parent, normally you have to feel joy. But it's like you cannot feel anything. You're like a a stone, like a rock, nothing there. Nobody understands you. It's like you you have the gift of taste, and let's imagine that you you lose that taste. You you cannot taste the food anymore, right? But it's not only like when you eat, you, you don't Taste the food anymore, but you try to remember how it was in the uh, old, good, bad, bad days when you enjoyed food, but you can't even remember how the taste was. And that's painful, right? Or panic attacks. When another man who doesn't know, or woman who doesn't know how that looks like, right, Uh, they will say, hey, be a man. Be courageous. What panic? Hey, be happy, man. Don't panic. But, they don't get it. They don't know how, how, how it is to, to be in a room like this sometimes, and uh, you speak with people around you, with friends, but it's like your being inside of you, it's, it's getting out from you, you are scared, you want to scream, you want to grab something, because you feel you, you die right now, and nobody understands you. It's like screaming for help in a deep storm in the ocean, but you see not any chance to escape. That big boat which told you through radio before you sank, it will come to be here for you to save you. You scream, you scream, you scream, but you you see nobody. And you're afraid. It's like dying alone and forgotten and that scares you. It's, it's It's like a song of despair that keeps playing in the background on repeat. Again and again and again. And again, isn't that the Christian walk sometimes looks like that? Even if we are Christians and follow Jesus, we feel forgotten, abandoned, sometimes in times of faithfulness, when we love the Lord, when we read the Bible, when we meet with the small group and have fellowship, but we feel forgotten. Sometimes in times of failure, and those are the worst times. Why? Because you feel you deserve that. Like, everybody around you is is trying to help. Hey, come, let's go, brother, we love you. No, you don't understand. I don't deserve any more chances. No. It's, It's like you want to be forgotten. Well, brothers and sisters, there is hope in times of despair. There is hope. We are not the first saints or the last saints that will have to deal with days with when you feel completely lost, cl- crying like, like a baby, and yes, even men cry. Their wives, no. We could look this morning to so many examples of the saints in the past, but I will invite you today to, to, to look to a day from a man of God from the past that God called him a man after my own heart. It was David. Let's listen to his cry during a hard season from his his life. So let's open the Bibles to Psalm 13. Psalm 13. How long? Oh Lord. Will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I take counsel in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all the day? How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? Consider. And answer me, O Lord my God. Light up my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. Lest my enemies say I have prevailed over him. Lest my foes rejoice because I'm shaken. But I have trusted in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. Amen. Trusting in him, our song of despair can be transformed in a song of joyful worship even when our circumstances are not changed yet. We just, we just read that, right? We, we just, a man of God who cries in despair ends with a song of worship in the middle of the same circumstances, and the question is, how did he do that? How, how did he do that? First, we can speak for, for hours about lots of riches in this psalm, but today I, I will invite you to, to see three principles about how to, how to deal with pain, with depression, with panic attacks, with, with emotional instability. What should be the first thing we should do when we are drawing in the ocean called despair? First thing, give voice to your cry and emotions, feelings. Give them a voice. Let it come out. Yes, yes, I'm aware of the fact that this could be interpreted interpreted as a little bit superficial, but I'm not talking about those therapeutical advices, but about the reality of life that we all experience it. Because even as Christians, we still live in this World where death is, where tears come, where we have lost, we lose someone we love, right? So we feel these feelings. We we have it. We experience it. I had the opportunity to discuss with with so many authentic Christians, right? So they're truly Christians, born again. They love God. They love the church. But they reached to a point where, in their Christian walk, were, uh, they, they, were, they had so much pain and despair in their soul because they, were, they felt forced to wear a mask instead of speak about what's happening with their soul. Why? Because in some communities, at least in our culture, I'm not sure how it is here, uh, there is a kind of myth. Like, if, if you are a Christian, You have to be happy all the time. You have to, uh, it's almost like a sin if you are depressed, or you have deep sadness in your life. And that feeling gets even harder to manage when you come to, let's say, to church on Sunday. And if you are downcast, it's like you you see everybody just smiling and be happy and and singing, and you, you start to think that, hey, I think I'm the only one who doesn't feel feel all of these things now. And, and they force themselves to, to smile, to, 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 be, to be joyful, but inside of them they feel like they die. And they feel like they go crazy. Actually, dear one, you are not the only one. Even this morning, I could not be sure, I, I'm, I'm not 100% sure, but statistically, If I'm thinking, I'm pretty sure that among our congregation here, lots of the people are feeling like, I I just want to die, I can't handle it anymore. Because of some circumstances you have in your life. It's kind of funny, in a way, how we, we think, right? So many times, like, we live in different worlds, and nobody else is dealing with what I'm dealing with. No. We live in the same world, starting with elders and pastors. They're not super-Christians. They strive as any other human being in their sanctification process. In the same world lived David, going through a very difficult season in his life. We don't know exactly uh, what what was the exact episode that made him to, to cry in Psalm 13, but what is clear is that so many enemies wanted to take his life, that the death was imminent, and he started to think in, in himself, I think. God, you, you gave me this great call to be... You, you anointed me to be a king, right? You, you gave me so many promises and now I have to act like a buffoon. Do you have this word? Like a crazy man in front of my enemies to, to, to play like crazy so they don't kill me? Or you promised me a kingdom and Saul and his armies are after my life all day long and what a beautiful uh, King's life, right? Sleeping all night in caves. Now in Psalm 13, David gets to a point where he's like between two poles, which push him in two opposite directions. On one side, he, he cries to his God, and he's uh, asking for help and waiting for, for God's help and mercy. On the other side, there are his enemies that, in a short time, it's possible that they will kill him. And in this picture, David deals with a great emotional burden. He's in despair, trying to, to cry out to God, but it's like his cry its hitting a, a all. It's like what he's trying to, to say to God never reaches God. God is absent. And now I think this is huge. There is no evidence in this psalm that his despair comes because of some sin in his life. He wrote lots of psalms in those circumstances, like he failed, he's so upset on himself, he's asking for the spirit to come back and restore him. Not, not here. No, in this psalm he's crying like that scared child who needs help, he, he asks for papa, for daddy, yeah, it's Papa, good word. Okay, for for Daddy. And uh, the father is not there. And please see the, the intensity of the despair. How many times does David say, how long? Four times, yes? It's, it's a repetition. How long? How long? How long? How long? It, it's meant to see... How downcast he was. How long will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? Brothers and sisters, isn't it so that when winter comes, the, the nights seem to be so long? When anxiety strikes, a normal day feels like a month. The repetition, how long, how long, how long, expresses a feeling of painful agony, where you feel like you cannot handle it anymore. It's like, imagine a a man who who is above, I don't know, a a deadly valley, and he holds on 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 a rope. He knows that if you lose it, you'll die, but the pain in his arms is so big that he's just like, no, I'm dying, I cannot handle it anymore. The pain is too much. And now, something very interesting is happening. Do you see, David is not afraid to express, to express in his cry exactly how he's feeling. He feels forgotten by God and he says, Lord, why did you forget me? Like, this is how I feel right now. David is, is not ashamed to, to, to say it loud and clear, why did, did you hide your face from me? I mean, theological speaking, I'm sure he knew that God does not hide his his face, but that's how he felt inside. So he started to express, to, to say, to cry about those things. He's not ashamed to speak about it. My dear brothers and sisters, when we fight with doubt, with depression, being downcast, there is no help in wearing a mask. No help. Just just bring it to the table, the, the, the reality of what is happening in your heart. Do you know why this step, to, to let your emotions, feelings come out, is not a super, superficial step? Because so many Christians are going to a point of loneliness and shame in their Christian walk. Living a a kind of of hidden life because they are afraid to speak about what they feel sometimes, thinking that they will be seen as immature Christians. Should a Christian fear death? No. Should, Should a Christian be fearful about dying? No. Because we know where we go. We know who our God is. But sometimes we fear death. We are not brave like all these brothers and sisters that they, they have a different feeling, and we look at them and we want that, but it's like inside, no, I, I still fear. And sometimes when you hide that feeling and keep it there and don't talk about it, sometimes you grow in your pain and your thinking. It's like you start to think, maybe I'm not a Christian. I should be something and I have these feelings. Maybe I was not saved. And you, you continue not to speak about it, right? But you, you see how this chain of despair keeps growing if you keep it inside and you don't speak about it? But look, David is not staying on the first step. He goes forward. And this is the, the second principle. First, second thing we should do. Hold on to God with the anchor of persistent prayer. Just hold on to God with the anchor of persistent prayer. Verse 3, verse 4. Consider and answer me, O Lord, my God. Light up my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. Lest my enemy say I have prevailed over him. Lest my foes rejoice because I'm shaken. David goes from crying to praying. Yet, yes, it is necessary to, to let the tears come down, to talk about what you feel, to express your pain, but we don't do all of these things to, to, to get stuck in those feelings, to stay there, to remain there. We do not talk about what we feel like in a secular, therapeutic way. Hey, let's talk about it so you'll feel a little bit better if you talk about it. That's not the Christian way. We speak about it so so that our helper, who is God, to know exactly, and he works through church, to pastors, through preaching, through friends, to the small group, so when we talk about all these things, we can see exactly how we can bring help there. We understand what is the problem. More than that, you understand better what to ask from God in prayer. Because you are aware of the, of the needs of your soul. Do you see in the text how this works? David says he feels forgotten and abandoned. That's the, the season in his life. That's how he feels now. So when he prays to God and asks from God, what does he ask? God, I feel forgotten. Answer me. God, I feel like your face, your eyes are not looking on me anymore. Please, look at me. Consider me. I'm here. And this is so powerful, I think. Do you see? David does not allow his emotions to remove him from God. But he brings his emotion closer to God in prayer, knowing that only God can fix him. Only God has the answer. He does not allow his emotions to become his God, but he brings his emotions to his Lord God. And let us take a short look at some of the uh, characteristics of of his prayer. Look, first, it's a prayer focused on God himself, not in the gifts of God. David is, is, is asking for God. Like, God, turn back to me. I... I need you. I miss you. I, I cannot stand it like I feel like I don't have fellowship with you anymore. The most painful thing for David was that he, he lost the feeling of intimacy with God. And he cannot, cannot take it anymore. He misses his, his, his Lord's face. Lord, I miss your face. I miss it so much. It's like David is saying, Oh my Lord, how shall I live my life if you are not part of it? I cannot survive without you. This is how much I need you and love you. And we know how much David loved the Lord, right? From the other books of the Bible, from the other Psalms. Then is a persistent prayer. He says, consider me, answer me, light up my eyes, Lord. is not just a sporadic prayer like, okay, God, if you want to help me, help me. If not, see you later. No. He in prayer, he stays there. Persistency in prayer expressed on, on one hand, uh, how aware uh, are we uh, of the fact that our need is urgent, it's real. Hey, I have a need, I, I need to pray. I need God. But on the other hand, it shows from where and whom we are waiting for the help. Do you remember that saying like, knock on the door and it will be open. Ask! Stay there! What, what, imagine this, what, what would you think about a man, let's say you, you walk on the street, you, you see a man to a door, he's knocking on the door, right? And when you come back from work, it's night, late, he's still there, knocking. <laughs> you wake up the next morning, he's almost asleep on the, the steps in front of the door, and then he wakes up and still knocking. What would you think about that man? I'm sure that you'll, you'll think about the fact that after that door, there is someone that can help him in a unique way. He will go to other doors if, if the, the problem will not be very heavy, right? But he stays there, he stays there. This is the idea, when we continue to pray for the same thing and wait from God, wait after God, wait and keep praying and keep praying, we show that we know for sure that only God could be enough for our problem. Money will not fix my problem. The pleasures of this world will not fix my problem, We will not be enough for my soul. My career will not fix my heart. And my depression and my anxiety. Only God can be enough for me. This is why I'm praying and holding fast on him. And then, you see, it is a prayer of total dependency. Light up my eyes lest I sleep the sleep of death. Now David is not talking about physical light. His prayer is that God will will give him again the right eyes, perspective, so that he could see the reality of God's love again. It's like David is praying, do not leave me enslaved by my emotions, by all these lies, by all these feelings of sadness and anxiety. Don't, don't leave me here, God, but light up my eyes so I can see you again clearly. I miss that. It's like David is saying, God, if you do not offer your light, there is total darkness. I have no light of my own. I will use it, but I don't have it. I have no other light. I depend on you on this issue. I depend on you to be able to to exit this this spiral of despair, I mean. What do you think, brothers and sisters? What would, would the a loving father do when he hears a cry of pain in the children, in his children? And I'm talking about loving fathers, right? Because in our dark world, we have exceptions. But does not matter in what country you go, in what culture you go, a loving father will do the same. I saw it, you saw it. Any day, any hour, he will take a bullet for his kiddos, right? Anytime. How much more when we're struggling, when when a struggling saint is crying and praying, brothers, the heavenly perfect father will not only consider and answer, but he will light up our eyes to discover not only his will for us, but his steadfast love, which never changes. Look in the text, but, says they but, but I have trusted in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. So now going to our last point. When you are in a spiral of despair, and the song of despair in your life is like on repeat, going again in the background, again and again and again. First, be honest about your feelings. Cry out with no shame. Then bring it to God in persistent prayer. Ask for help. Call up after His help. But then when God is answering, and brothers and sisters, He is always answering, all the time is answering, Third thing we should do, trust in the objective truth of God's word and promises, not in your feelings. Trust in the objective truth of God's word and promises, not in your feelings. Oh yes, God has lightened the eyes of David to see the reality through God's perspective. He remembers who God is according to the objective truth of who God is. And where did God answer us with the truth? Where did did He leave us His truths? Where? (laughs) It's right here. All of us have it, complete. All we need to know, answer to any question about life and redemption and future hope, and how to live our christian life and who got this everything is here psalm 119 with verse 105 yeah you get it It says your word is what is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path we have no other lamp We need no other light, but the word of God who never lies. Do you see how the word of truth, not, not the feelings, become the foundation that makes David to go from crying mode to singing mode? But I have trusted in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. There is no evidence that the circumstances in David's life changed. No. The circumstances are the same. And yet the same man who a little bit earlier was crying, now he's talking about a heart that's rejoiceful. Like, David, are you the same? Yeah. Because I came back to the truth about who God is and what he did for me and what he promised me. He turned his eyes from his circumstances and he fixed his eyes upon the Lord asking for help and the Lord showed him the truth. Your heart shall rejoice and is able to rejoice in the difficult circumstances you are because of my salvation. Because of my steadfast love. There are so many things that are not steadfast in our world, right? Our obedience is not steadfast. Is there anyone that after they met Christ, they got saved, they got part of the Christian family, they never failed again? Never. No. After years and years of knowing God, we still do mistakes like kiddos, right? Right? Or like a, relational, a relation between a husband and wife. They love each other so much. But they keep hurting each other sometimes. That's what we do in our Christian walk. Our obedience is not, not steadfast. We strive towards that. We want it. But we still fail. My emotions are not steadfast. So, in the same day, we go from peaceful moments, not in the same day. (laughs) In the same two minutes, you can be loving and then a kid is doing something in in the home and you are angry and red, and right? Our emotions are are not steadfast. But brothers and sisters, there is an anchor which is steadfast, never changing. His steadfast love, that. We can trust. The prophet Isaiah says in Isaiah 49, chapter 49, verse 14, but Zion said, the Lord has forsaken me. The Lord has forgotten me. And now God is asking us this. Can a woman forget her nursing child? That she should have no compassion on the son of her womb? Even this may forget. Yet, I will not forget you. Behold, I have engraved you on the palms of my hands. Your walls are continually before me. Could we be sure of this love that God has for us? Today, as the history of redemption unfolds more, right? We can be more sure because we have more details in the truth of the word of God. Hebrews 1, chapter 1, verse 1. Long ago at many times and many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets, but in these last days, He spoken to us, how? By his son. God has finally spoke to us through his own son, the word who in the beginning was with God and he was God, but that word became what? Became flesh to die for our sins the sins which kept us separated from God so that we can be sure of this truth, whoever comes to him, whoever trusts him, whoever follows him, for our sake, he made him to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in him, we might become the righteousness of God. When did Christ die for us? Since we were sinners, right? How much more? This is the truth of the gospel. How much more now when we are sons and daughters of him, he will not give us everything we need, being there for us till the end. How can I be sure could anyone ask, full of, of this it's so sweet but I feel forgotten I want it I want to be joyful but this is what I feel how, how can I be sure that he loves me You are not forgotten because know this if you are in Christ if there is evidence that the fact that the spirit of God lives in your heart and you can see a sanctification process it's not about cheap grace okay if you are his child there was one day when your big brother Christ who is also the king of kings because he loved you so much and wanted you to be sure forever about his steadfast love he stood hanged on a cross and on that cross he cried like this My Lord, my Lord, why have you, what was the word? Forsaken me. He stood there carrying all your guilt, all your sin, so that you who now trust in Jesus may be sure that even when your heavenly papa, daddy, disciplines you, Needs to correct you. Even in those moments, He's for you. He's not against you. There was one day when Christ was forsaken, so we may never be forsaken again. And that is a steadfast truth. He was forsaken, so we will never be afraid of being forsaken again. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Name it tribulation? No. Distress? No. Famine? No. Danger or sword? No. Death? No. How so? In all these things, we are more than conquerors through Him who? What? What did He do? Who? Loved us. Which kind of love? A steadfast love that never changes. He lightened our eyes, brothers and sisters, to see that he is the light of the world, right? And he has opened a path through dra- darkness and death so that by trusting in him, by hanging on on him, by loving him, by following him, we can be sure that we'll not sleep the sleep of death. And death and darkness... Will not prevail because the grave is empty. How he loved us, for sure he dealt bountifully with us. Is not that right? Have you tasted his love? Dear one, if you did not repent of your sins, if you are not crushed under the burden of your sin, recognizing that you deserve separation from God because He is holy. You cannot receive sin in His presence. If you did not put your trust in Christ, if you do not follow Him with joy, calling Him your Lord, dear one, the pleasures of this world that you live in and follow will take you to a place of eternal separation and you'll be forsaken forever. Deep depression, sadness, it's a place called hell. Without Christ, you'll go there after you die. You don't want to be there. Believe me, nobody wants to be there. But there is one among us who can save you. His name is Jesus. He died to, to pay for all the sin that you'll bring to him so that you may be sure that his love will secure you, will clean you of your sins, will, will give you the clothes of righteousness that you'll need to enter the kingdom of God. You'll need those clothes. Only, only Christ can give it to you. Only Christ. There is no other way. So come to him. Come to He's inviting you through his spirit, through his word. He invites you right now. Come to him. You'll be forgiven. Your life will be restored. Just come to him. Know him and follow him. And then if we are his, because so many people here this morning are his little brothers, right? Is that how the Bible calls us? He's our bigger brother. We are the little brothers. And we follow him and he loves us. Brothers and sisters, we are the ones who can trust in his steadfast love which never changes, not even when we feel our hearts cold or even forsaken. We just need to come back again and again to what? To bring our feelings to the truth. God, I'm feeling this. I'm praying. Just answer me. And this book has answer for any problem. You just have to believe the truth, not your feelings. To remember that our heart should rejoice not because of our uh, the, if our circumstances are, are easy or we don't feel pain. No, that's not the source of our joy. The source of our joy is something that never changes. Is His salvation. This is steadfast love that never changes. So, trying to close here with some conclusions. When. When we are downcast, what shall we do? First of all, again, start by not wearing masks anymore. Live as Jesus taught us, as a child. Didn't he tell us that we need to be like childs? When a kid has a problem, has a pain, doesn't matter if his impressions when he cries are correct or not, he comes to the parents. No, but she didn't share with me her food and I'm so sad. And You know, they have depression since they are babies sometimes. So so the parents have the wisdom to know how to process all of that, to to listen and then give some advices. How much more God has advices for us when we we deal with with pain and anxiety and, and depression? And also, we should be a community of brothers and sisters that learn from Jesus how to love each other. We don't have to be like, like Job's friend, friends. No, they, they spoke lots of, of good things, but they were too, too hurried to, to give a systematic theology book to, to Job. And Job just, just, just needed to, to cry and he had some pain. And he needed some friends just to offer him a shoulder so he can cry. Cry as much as you want. We'll talk theology later, but now cry. (laughs) Find a brother, find a sister, find an elder, someone to talk about your pain. And then pray, pray together, pray alone, pray together, But pray, pray, pray. He's faithful to his promises. He said that if you... Pray to him. He will answer you. He will comfort you. He will come to visit you. He will be there with you. And then in the end, let his answer to guide your feelings. Let the truth help to deal, let the truth to help you deal with your feelings. know those times when you you had a failure in life and you are a serious Christian and you love God and you, but you feel like you lost your salvation. And someone comes to you and it's so nice when they reassure you with the word of God, hey, you just lost your joy and peace and fellowship. You you didn't lose your salvation. Do you think that salvation of, of God is something you lose today, you gain it again tomorrow, you lose it again? No. Salvation comes from a steadfast love. That's not changeable. Just lost your joy. Repent, come back to Christ. Let's sing again. Right? Yes, but I feel so downcast and forgotten. I feel so guilty. Sometimes i are like, let me fix my life before I present again to the throne of grace, right? Yeah, I need to go there to, to, to ask for help to the throne of grace, but I'm such a mess that I, I'll wait one week. Because I'm too ashamed to to go to God now. You got it wrong. Remember the truth. What is grace? What is the essence of grace? What does this mean? A gift for those who deserve it, who earn it. Is is that no. Grace is a gift for someone who has no ability to pay for it or to have it. It's, It's grace. You just have to to receive it and enjoy it and say, thank you. So why does she call that we should come to the throne of grace to be helped in times of need? Why, Why this name? Why the throne of grace? Because it's a throne for those who doesn't deserve it. You don't have to deserve it to come there. If you think you deserve it, don't come there. But if you are in a place where you feel like you don't deserve anything, come to the throne of grace and you will find help. Yes, help for me, the no stupid sheep that God gets lost so easily so many times. But all the time His steadfast love, all the time he lives the other 99, and he comes back to me, and when he finds me, later he will correct me, teach me. But right then, do you know what the shepherd does? He rejoices. Hey, my sheep. What does he do with that, with the sheep? He grabs it, puts it where? On his shoulder, Say, hey, come again. I'll bring you home. He rejoices. Sometimes he brings us back with discipline, with correction. Other times he brings you back with a hug that you need or using his hands to dry your tears. Different. Life is complex, right? Love is complex. His wisdom has different uh, approaches to our needs. But all the time, all the time with joy and love. So come, struggling saint. Come to the throne of grace and the merciful high priest will help you for sure. As the worship team will come now to sing together, let me remind you of some words of our Lord Jesus. Do you remember the story of the prodigal son? How how do you pronounce it, prodigal son? Okay, thank you. The father had two sons, one of him, the worst sinner, And he comes back home crying, ashamed, ashamed to enter the house, right? Do you remember that? What did the father do? And he rose and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt what? (laughs) To beat him. Where's my money, son? (laughs) (laughs) His father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him and invited him in the house to celebrate with the best food ever, the fattened calf. The other son, the older son is coming. He hears joy in the house. What is he doing? He gets angry. What? Ah. I was the perfect Baptist, (laughs) coming from a long line of Baptists. (laughs) I had a spectacular life, perfect family, perfect kids, and the Father blesses this guy that he's a Christian for 15 years and he doesn't know Psalm 23 to say it from his mind, and he blesses this guy. What did the father, with the same love, run outside to him, to invite him inside, to celebrate? What, son, what, what happened? What happened to your heart? Do you, like, until now, did you work for me like a man for his boss? Really? No, he said, you never gave me a goat to celebrate with my friends. It's not about earning performances. I'm a father. All I have is yours. Let's just enjoy our fellowship together. Come inside. Don't stay outside. You, you see how he was lost in the same way. Like, but trying to embrace his self-righteousness, but he was lost, far from the father's love. And I want to. To make a transition to singing today, imagining this scene, the desperate prodigal son is coming home crying, right? Like we do sometimes. Like, no, I, I want to die, father. You I don't. Like, son, you want to die? Don't let you die. <laughs> I love you. No, I don't, I let me with the worst slaves. To, no, son, even more than that. Hey, servants. Prepare the best food, the best clothes, the best dream. My son is back. Wait, but didn't he broke your heart like, yeah, he did. He broke my heart. But, yeah, I know. But maybe he needs a correction first. I'll deal with that. I'll deal with that. We'll talk. We'll discuss it. It will be a process of restoration. But I, don't, I, I, I want to reassure him about the first thing. He does not have to doubt about that. Son, we'll talk later about details. I need you to know that I love you. Come inside the house. And when he did that, he looked to the servants and said, imagine, right? Hey." Turn on the music. How do you know that? When the older brother came back, he heard what? Music and dancing in the house. It's funny, right? Like, hey, this son of yours, he's the worst sinner. Turn on the music. My son is back. He's at my table. I want to party. It's a joy. When a sinner repents, It's a joy when a sinner comes to God. It's a joy. How does our psalm end? Verse 6. When David looks at his steadfast love, what does he do? I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. Oh yes, when we fix our eyes on our father's steadfast love, our song of despair is transformed in a song of joy because in his love in Christ, we became the righteousness of God. So, shall we turn on the music, brother? Shall we sing together? Let's do that. In the house of the Lord is joy. Amen.